All right, fantastic. CNN loses its most reliable source, weaponized vagueness, and YouTube gives us yet another strike. That is very true. It happened just today. You're watching the Propaganda Report podcast. I'm Brad Binkley. Joining me this Friday evening for another late night news blast is the host of the Mad Ones podcast, Cam Harless. Cam, got a lot to dive into tonight. What do you say we go ahead and, and just go head first into it? Yeah, let's do it. Tell, tell me what you got. Because I've right, been here's trying, what I got, dude. I know trying... that you saw some of this news. I think everybody's probably seen this news. There's a lot of action on Twitter around it. Is the top story tonight, last night, might kind of fade tomorrow. <laughs> it's that CNN continues to move forward with its Davos-instructed trust-building initiative, this time doing something that I have to admit I'm a little bittersweet about, and that is they canceled their Sunday media analysis show, Reliable Sources, which, as we all know, is hosted by the proto-model of the new genderless potato person, the famous kid's toy, Brian Stelter, the most unreliable source on television. Until Sunday, anyway. So, his final show is on Sunday. If everybody wants to tune in to his final show, we're going to get one more Brian Stelter on CNN, and I'm sure he'll deliver a, a parting message before we see him emerge on, you know, as a New York Times writer. He's just going to go to one of these other places and just do the same thing. That's all that's going to happen here. They're just removing him from CNN right now because if you're committed to a trust-building exercise, trying to tell people, look, we are serious about changing. We know that we have failed you and that you don't trust us. We're going to show you that we are someone worth trusting. You can't do that and also have Brian Stelter work at your network. The two are not compatible. So you have to get rid of him. And he probably knew he was gone. This is all part of a great reset agenda because they know that we don't trust them and they have to get our trust back in order to push the Great Reset agenda forward. And so they had to get Brian Stelter out of here. So Brian Stelter is actually kind of playing a role in the Great Reset by peacefully and kindly stepping aside. And I'll give you a couple more details on that story that I think are relevant. They story, or, or the new head of CNN, the guy who's cleaning things up, you know, whitewashing their image, who took over for Zucker, he told Stelter the news on Wednesday, apparently, and while the reliable sources, the show, will no longer be on air, and that, that show's been on for 30 years, it was on before yeah. Stelter, reliable sources, the newsletter, is still going to continue at CNN with Stelter's protege and very tight buddy. Oliver Darcy will be taking over that. Are you familiar with Oliver Darcy? I, I know the name, and it sounds pretentious every single time I hear it. Yes, exa that's exactly what I'm getting at here. So Oliver yeah. Darcy has the same views and expresses the same messages and propaganda identically as Brian Stelter. As I said, he was... Stelter was his mentor. He very much, you, you get them on the show. He, he has them on as a guest every now and then. They've been working together in the CNN media analysis department or whatever. And he brings them on the show and literally the guy says, identical takes some point of views as Stelter always, every time. There is no difference in the change there. So the role that Stelter filled at CNN, which is not just the host of reliable sources, he was the head of the media analysis, the chief media analyst at CNN. He appeared by that title on many other shows when he was a guest. And Oliver Darcy, who is just Brian Stelter, but not as recognizable, and people don't have a strong opinion about him yet, will be taking over Stelter's role to deliver the exact same type of messaging 
from Stel- that Stelter was delivering, just with a different face. And that's, that's, what, that's why you know the trust-building exercise is a manipulation, because it didn't really change. What changed is the color of the person's face who's going to be delivering the propaganda and the recognizability of the person's face who's going to be delivering the propaganda. Nobody's formed their opinions yet on this guy, really. People who watch the news all the time have, like, I know he's a con artist just like Stelter, but a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I'll give this guy a chance. And that is why they're putting him there. They just need a refresh on the face of the pro- giving you the propaganda. Because once we recognize the propagandists for who they are, then they're not useful in that capacity anymore. So they're putting him in there to fill Stelter's role. And what they will do, since he does not have his own show. So Stelter just had one hour a week on Sunday. So it wasn't like he had a ton of time on air in that capacity. They took that away. But this guy's going to keep doing the newsletter, which is an avenue of propaganda that they can deliver to people who subscribe to them. He's also going to, I guarantee it, end up appearing increasing amount on other shows in a special segment about media analysis. And he's going to be brought on as their expert media analyst. And that is the way they will deliver the propaganda. So Stelter's gone, but the the format has not changed, in my opinion. So in their trust-building exercise, they're trying to be manipulative. And what's going to happen with this, it's going to be challenging for some people because it'll be challenging for me even. If they're committed to truly building trust, CNN, to truly changing their image in the minds of the public whose trust they have lost, then they have to fully commit to this effort. And they got to fully commit to it because, they, like I said, the Davos agenda cannot go through the Great Reset unless all of these organizations try and win people over. So they're not just going to lightly try and appear to be trustworthy. They are going to go hard in the paint. They will revamp their entire image, and then they will start boasting about wins that they've gotten. They'll do it not quite as boastful as they do right now, a little more subtle that someone who is more trustworthy might do. And the fact is, they will start reporting stuff and they'll be better at it. They will report more truths because they have to and they'll bring people over. And as they get more and more trustworthy in the eyes of some people, it will become harder and harder to critically question them or or just they're always bs when they are telling some truths and they will tell some truths it will let people's guard down and once they let people's guard down and they rein them back in that's when they start amping that propaganda up again and that's exactly what they talked about at davos they didn't say it as we need to bring them in capture them again and then manipulate them but that's what they said at davos and that's what cnn is doing here i think the thing that i want to pay attention for when it comes to CNN and these other networks is how hard they go about really transforming their image, which is crazy because we live in a time right now where it's someone could completely attempt to transform their image in the public eye. And I'm just like, they're only trying to look more and more trustworthy so that they can get better and better at lying to me. And that's what CNN's doing. I mean, that's what the, they're not doing this because they actually care. This Davos told them to do this because Davos said, the people don't trust us. We have to get them back for this to work. Build their trust again. Do what it takes. And they will do what it takes. So I always say this. It's not about the source necessarily. We do want to look at the source when it comes to information. But the content, the content We can take the content they tell us and we can research it ourselves. Now, they tell you the other way when it comes to news literacy. They say it's not about the content. It's only about the source that matters. And what they want to do is they want to whittle down the sources that we trust to these institutional sources while at the same time conduct this other effort that's going on 
where they demonize all the alternative sources of information, whether it's they're calling them election deniers or they're deplatforming them through amped up efforts leading up to the midterms in 2022, like they did to our video the other day. And I'll go into that in a second. But before I go into this, bi- this not bipartisan, let's say bipartisan, this private public partnership of corporate censorship is what it is to remove alternative sources. I found a a segment on Fox News where they were talking about the Brian Stelter situation. And it was a five-minute segment, and they were just, you know, nothing special. And I watched the whole thing. It got down to the last 40 seconds, and it got, like, hilariously weird, dude. I, I mean, I couldn't tell at first if they, like, knew what they said. I knew the guy did. And then yeah. I was like, I think the girl just accidentally said what she said. But then after watching it again, I'm like, no, I think she was, I think she was doing this too. And I personally thought it was very, very hilarious. I'm going to play it for you. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to let you enjoy it yourself. This is a couple of CNN anchors. I, I don't know who either one of them are, but this is the tail end of their segment on Brian Stelter being gone from CNN. And the guy is referencing all the, some of the other people that they got out there as well. And you'll see who they reference. I think we all know one person who might come up here. And the host made themselves the story so they could get the clicks and go viral. And they didn't realize what they were doing to their integrity at this point. But but the Jeffrey Tubin, uh, his ouster, it didn't surprise me that much. It probably, he probably wants to get to know himself a little bit better as well. I, that, that's what I heard anyway. Maybe. I mean, I think it was a long time coming. Um, Joe, always great yeah. to see you. You're so fired up today. <laughs> Thank you, Thank Jackie. You. Off for vacation. Showing. I'm rested. Showing us. That's okay. a good one. All right. Thank yeah. you. Bye. So for those who are only listening, she said, thank you. Thank you for showing us. That's because during the middle of her sentence where she said, it's been a long time coming. Don't know if she, that was either very beautifully and perfectly delivered on her part in response to him. And she had no idea of the punniness of that, that line that she delivered or she would, or she had no, you know, I don't know if she did that on purpose. I give her props because that was perfectly delivered on her part in a way where it was subtle enough for people not to tell, but also like perfect. It was like the perfect line in that moment. And what he was doing is he started holding his hands up while she was saying that in the air. Because, and then she goes, oh, thank you for showing me. Because he was showing her that he wasn't masturbating under the, <laughs> under the desk. It, it, I mean, this is Fox News and you got a guy... They're talking about tube, and the guy's like, look, I'm not doing it. I've never seen anything like that on Fox News before. And if you're not paying attention to it when you're watching it, you miss it. But it's it's like a brilliant 40 seconds in my mind. I'm going to say it's probably one of my favorite Fox News moments of all time. Whether or not, I know this guy intended, this guy looks like a pervert. This guy's probably (laughs) a tube in himself, and he probably was doing what he was trying to claim he wasn't, actually. Because she's a very good-looking woman. If she were woke then she would file sexual harassment, Me Too charges against this guy. I mean, this is the type of stuff right here they don't even allow people to do anymore. I don't know if these people are flirting or what they're doing, but I, I, I approve of this little weird interaction on Fox News. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, it was it was fun catching the the innuendo. I, innuendo. I, yeah, I would like to watch it again. Do you think we yeah, should? No, let's watch it again. I think we should yeah. watch it again. The anchors and the hosts made themselves the story so they could get the clicks and go viral. And they didn't realize what they were doing to their integrity at this point. But but the Jeffrey Tubin, uh, his ouster, it didn't surprise me that much. It probably, he probably wants to get to know himself a little bit better as well. I, that, that's what I heard anyway. Maybe. I mean, I think it was a long time coming. Um, Joe, always great yeah. to see you. Do you think she said that knowingly? Do you think that that was a, that she was like yes-anding that joke? Or do you think that that just happened to 
be how she responded? I really don't know. I honestly can't tell you. And that, I think she might have done it on purpose, and she might just be really good at what she's doing. Yeah. Well, she's. I, ho- I, I want to think that anyway, because that was a great, great <laughs> subtle line. And then, you, and so right now his hands are in the air, and she's smirking. You're so yeah. fired up today. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Jackie. You. Off for vacation, showing, I'm rested. Showing us. That's okay. a good one. All right. Yeah, Thank you. Nobody ever told Tubin, "Thank you for showing us," because they were not happy that he showed them. And, and and that's what. So you can't have Stelter. You can't have Tubin. You can't be like, "Yeah, no, you should trust us. We've changed our image, and we're going to be really, really considering the information we we deliver, and, and we want to do it in an unbiased way." And also say, "Yeah, our expert legal analyst, chief legal analyst, is Jeffrey Tubin." Yeah, the guy who, you know, chalks his pull cue uh, in front of his female employees on Zoom, that guy. And and Stelter, you can't have those people be part of your network. They have to eliminate the people who have literally become cartoons. And those guys have literally become cartoons. And therefore, take them out, plug in Oliver Darcy, who is not yet a cartoon, will eventually become a cartoon, and then just keep lying to people in similar ways, not quite as bombastic. What are your thoughts? I know you probably want to talk about Stelter before we move on. Oh, well, no, it's just it's just amazing to me um, because, you know, for the last 30 years, Reliable Sources has been on the air. I mean, it's it, it's incredible that you've been lasted. watching it your whole life, I'm sure. Whole life, whole life. Since I was three, I've been watching Reliable Sources. Yeah. That's the only thing um, that could get you to stop crying is you turn on Reliable Sources. Absolutely true. Um, but yeah, I mean, the last nine years, it was um, it was anchored by a uh, Mr. Potato Head toy, a long forgotten one with a fungal infection. And it's just amazing that it kept it kept going. Um, I, I think that the really cool thing is that, uh, you know, Stelter didn't leave with the intent of leaving everyone behind all of his fans. And so that's why if you go um, to the subway on, on, on the corner, you're going to see him as long as he's closing and you can spend the entire night watching him clean up because he's reliable like that. He's a reliable source of cleanliness. Right. And when he's working at subway, he's a, he's reliable, uh, with his sauces. Yeah. Yeah. He might, maybe he, you know, he, if he were cool and actually wanted to improve his likability, then he would, get a job doing something like that just you know to put in some of that hard work you know he could spread propaganda at the subway line there because it takes a few minutes to to make the sandwiches like why well, i'm making this sandwich can you believe the january 6th committee i mean he could really get to people on a personal level there but he will reemerge somewhere very quickly this guy is a very very much fall in line soldier of the globalist propaganda machine so there's no doubt they have a they have a role for him to fill somewhere they just could not have him filled at CNN anymore because no one could take yeah. him seriously. And, and the same thing for that show. That show, which was reputable before, it just the name, it no longer has any reputability, so they had to get rid of it. And that's why I think they're going to be basically doing the same thing they did with him, just through segments on different shows where they bring Oliver Darcy on, which you, had a, you have a photo of him right there, which he... Oh, is that who that is? Yeah, that's who that is. Yeah, you, weren't, you didn't know that's that? Right no, I this is... It. I just picture picture there, yeah. Yeah. My favorite tweet about the Brian Stelter situation was from it was from uh, Stephen King, and <laughs> I think James tweeted that out. And what Stephen King, all these people were tweeting about how just the most the greatest guy in the world 
that they learned so much from. I've been watching Stelter since he started there. He's enlightened me. He's shined a light on the media. He's been a, a watchdog holding you know feet to the fire. And I'm sad to see him go. And they were like putting their favorite Stelter moments out there. And it was just so disingenuous. And, and, all, and a lot of them had Ukraine flags next to their profile, which is pretty predictable. The Ukraine flag profiles will definitely be upset that Brian Stelter is losing his job. But what what did Stephen King say? I'm trying to find the tweet here. Stephen King said some absolutely ridiculous stuff about him. Hold on. All right, here's what he said. He said, the one show on CNN I never missed was Reliable Sources. <laughs> 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 with Brian Stelter. It has been an invaluable window into how the media covers itself, which in Jeffrey Tubin's case, it doesn't. Yeah. That was yeah. not Stephen King. That was, and then he said, today CNN canceled it. And I, I just, you know, maybe, maybe Stephen King is writing some sort of novel where a Brian Stelter-like character is the protagonist getting attacked by the antagonist world or, or media just trying to destroy his pristine reputation. But he can't really do that because he's already written a character that Stelter is the version of on the mainstream media, and that is Pennywise. He is the Pennywise yep. of mainstream media, and Stephen King just watched his most iconic character die. Okay. <laughs> Stephen King, it just sucks so bad. I mean, he's such a good writer, and then he's just such a propaganda tool. Don't you hate that? Yeah. When there's somebody who you think is very artistic and talented or, or a good actor, what a good musician, and then they just start acting as just a, nothing but a puppet mouthpiece on like every network you see. It's so disappointing. I don't care if you disagree with me or have different views. But when you start repeating the scripts that I literally get sent to me by Indivisible in my email on like five different networks, then I'm just going to lose a lot of respect for you. Yeah. Who did they interview the other day? Billy Joel? Is, is that who's is that Billy Joel? Up, piano uptown, man? Yeah. 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 They were, so, and I felt at first because I kind of checked myself. I, Fareed Zakari was standing over a piano. He's like, check out my interview with Billy Joel. And he was talking about how he would mimic music that other people played and then he was like yeah and then i just start making up my own lyrics and doing my own thing and my initial reaction when i saw the clip was like oh god this guy and then i stopped and like listened to what he said about how he created his music and i was like you know that's really great that's really great advice and that's a great way to be creative like what he's doing is something that young music young musicians should model probably after and I was thinking, I was like, the only reason that my initial reaction to that was negative and to kind of brush it off was because Fareed Zakari, who's definitely a New World Order international globalist guy, he's like one of the main speakers of all this thing, is standing over the guy's piano interviewing him. He said nothing political in the clip that I saw. He might have in the interview, and I'm sure yeah. he says political things sometimes, or he might be a rabid progressive. I have no idea, but my judgment came specifically from the association of the CNN anchor and I was like, man, that sucks, dude, because he's got some good music. I love Piano Man. He's talented, obviously, and he just gave some great creative advice. And my brain went to a negative place when I first saw it, and I didn't like that. But that's, that's the polarizing, politicized atmosphere they've, cr they've created where it's hard not to do that. There he is. Did you just put Brian Stelter as Pennywise? How did you do that? So there's now an image on the screen. I don't know where Cam got this of Brian <laughs> Stelter literally dressed as Pennywise with the makeup and everything. He is, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> I was actually reading about Pennywise in the movie, 
And which have you read that book? Are you talking about you thinking about the orgy scene? Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about the orgy scene because it's not in a good way. In a, I can't believe I read this. It's disturbing. It's it's very disturbing. Well, I mean, it's it's disturbing enough that the event happened in the book. Mm -hmm. What's more disturbing was I remember that Beverly. You you saw in her head, and she kind of compared the little tiny boys' wiener sizes, and I'm like, like, and how they felt, and I'm like, this is this is not this is. She's not like eleven, a, right? They're all eleven year olds in the book, right? And th- this is this is just not the work of a sane person. And I mean, yeah. if you look at Stephen King, you can tell he's unwell, right? Yeah, you know, he he seems. I mean, he, the books he you have to be a little unwell, I think, to write books like The Shining. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, you have to go to a very dark place. I'm not. I don't mean that in like a derogatory way. Artists have to go to a dark place sometimes. They have to let themselves feel. You have. To, I remember when I first started acting that you get serious roles and you know you can't fake those emotions. You, you need to bring like the real emotions out, which means you got to like work on some real stuff that you've dealt with in order to transfer, be able to transfer those feelings to the role that you're playing. And I remember doing some of those exercises for the first time in some acting classes that I was in. And it's like, you know, you got to think about stuff that you maybe don't necessarily want to think about that you may be buried because it's difficult. And with somebody like him writing novels like that, you got to go to a pretty dark place, man. Do you know that his wife threw his, at least, all right, this hasn't been confirmed by me. 100%, but somebody, who is a, a literary guy told me recently, and I could probably verify this, but it just came to mind. Apparently, yeah. he his wife like threw the transcript of The Shining in the fire or something like that because she was so disturbed by the original transcript he was writing. So she threw it in the fire. Have, Can you, you, <clears throat> have you read The Shining or just watched it? I've just watched it. I've not read it. Yeah, I haven't read it either. I've I, I read I've only read a couple of Stephen King books. I've read I've read it, and I read. Um, Eleven twenty two sixty three. What is that one about? It's um, it's about a man who uh, he has a a friend who works at a diner who's getting really old really quickly, and it's because if you walk into the man's like freezer or you know storage room, you go back to the nineteen sixties, and so the whole book is about uh, this character who goes back and tries to stop the killing of John F. Kennedy. Oh wow! Yeah. It's interesting. It's a really interesting book, yeah. Um, And I think one of the most interesting parts about it is um, what you you kind of see what uh, Stephen King thinks is the most evil and terrible uh, thing, and it and that thing is um, what was his name the 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 Republican that ran Ted um, Cruz. No, no, no. Like back uh, back in Cheney. Long time ago, before that, I can't remember his name right now. Um, well, I mean, Pat Buchanan, he's in the same uh, realm as that. But who is the other one? Um, I don't know. I know that photo of Stephen King that you have on the screen right now looks like he is doing a screen test to play the Grinch who stole Christmas. Is like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that he has a pretty evil Grinch-like expression on Jim Carrey Grinch-like expression, actually. And so he actually wrote a book called The Stand, right? Which is about like a virus that takes over society, kind of like a pandemic. Right. Yeah, I didn't, didn't read that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <who knows? laughs> All right. Oh, man. So 
along with this effort to rebuild trust, that's what we have on one. This all folds into this great reset idea. They have all these narratives working uh, on different yeah. sects of society. Edward Bernays used to talk about all the time, cross-pollinating, working on this angle, working on that angle. And they're very open about how they do have that ability to think broadly higher up. Yeah. Than the general public does because we're all worried about the paying the bills and the anxieties right in front of us day to day. They don't have to worry about that. So they can play the grand chessboard while we're just trying to, you know, make it day to day, which makes yeah. it easier for them. And so so we also had this effort to rebuild trust nah, as the institutions. We also had the effort to silence people, which we see this right now as they have amped up the Deplatforming, they do this every so often when an election comes around. They start picking somebody out. We had the Alex Jones trial, which that kind of shined the light on that. And then we had YouTube change its policies because of dangerous disinformation and the January 6th hearings <laughs> shedding light on all the potential violence that could occur because of Trump leading up to 2022. So they better take action. Then we had the Mar a Lago incident where Trump had, they came in, they got the files at Trump's house, and then all of a sudden, some Trumpian apparently went in with a, a nail gun and shot at a bunch of FBI agents, and then they rounded up some guys who made some comments on Truth, Truth Social that they shouldn't have made, but I don't necessarily know are actually actionable by law, by the way, because the threats yeah. have to be specific, at least according to the law previously. I do know, though, that the FBI has a little bit of a broader range to investigate because of the domestic terrorism strategy that Biden's doing, so maybe they, they based it on that. But the whole idea is to whittle away the sources that question the information and consolidate it back to the CNNs of the world, back when they only had three stations. And so it's like this dual, this dual effort going on right now. And I want to show you the... Here, here's what we got today. Let me see, open up this image. I took a screenshot of it. It's a terrible, very small image. We're, that's not the right one. But I opened up YouTube today because I was looking to see what I had titled the show uh, yesterday or something, and I think it was yeah. a show we talked about. Yeah, it was when we talked about Joe Biden and the three Trump investigations, and they cited me, they cited us, for yeah. spreading misinformation about the election. So our video, our show got removed for spreading misinformation about the 2020 election, which at no point in time during that show ever did I say or you say there was widespread fraud during the 2020 yeah. election and Trump really won. None of it. We never, that's why we're not streaming to YouTube right now because I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to. Oh, you're not me. allowed to. No, I, I mean, they wild. took the video down and they took away my uh, ability to live stream. So I think I'm on timeout for like a week or so. That's wow. the second strike I've gotten. So I could get kicked off. If I get a strike again, I'm trying to figure out which, okay, here's uh, I think this is the image of the, let me share this with you. See if you can see it. I don't know how well it's going to show up on the screen here. I wasn't that shocked because the whole reason I hadn't been streaming to YouTube anyway was because I was expecting that that had been happening before. Yeah. And here we go. So that's a little small. I don't know that you can see it, but I'll. Yeah, it says policy violated, misinformation, content that advances false claims that widespread fraud, errors, or glitches changed the outcome of the U.S. 2020 presidential election is not allowed on YouTube. I never said that. I right. never claimed you actually, that. I actually claimed the opposite of that. Yeah, what you said was uh, you cannot claim that there was widespread I, voter fraud. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I, I, I literally said stop claiming there was widespread voter fraud because that is why they're silencing you. And they silenced me for that. 
I, yep. I mean, it, it's getting, I don't know if that was an algorithm. I'm sure that it was an algorithm. I doubt one of the, you know, 33 people that watched that video was the YouTube sister. <laughs> but it very well could have been. Yeah. I, I don't know. That to me, this is because they're training these algorithms, you know, and it's probably just the words, man. It's probably just the language that we use. The fact that we said widespread voter fraud, that probably triggered it. There's probably a couple of other words that confirmed it. I, there's an image of Stacey Abrams right now on the screen. I think a meme that you made, Cam, where she looks like she is a gigolo who is welcoming you into a strip club to meet all of her strippers who answer to her. She's like their pimp. She reminds me of, in that image you made, of Wayne Brady in the Dave, Dave Chappelle sketch. Except she, you know, she's this, a lot that scarier. is that is um, that uh, Michael Trahan, like a hundred percent. Michael Strahan. Strahan. Absolutely. Yeah, I've never seen them in the same room together. Goldwater. Yes, Goldwater. Very Goldwater. That's that's what it was. Uh, like by Tubin, like was to Tubin no, blow his I back out. I think out. Tubin was asking? too young. Well, maybe Tubin because maybe they were into that, but <laughs> yeah, Tubin was probably a little too young for that then. Okay. That's a good question. So with the, you know, I was going to play these clips from this disinformation conference, but this, there's just too many of them and we'll never get through them. And it's late tonight. Maybe we play like one just to, I'll play you like, let's say three clips so you can just hear kind of where Congress is thinking about what they're going to do about the 2020 disinformation around the election. And they're definitely focusing on this. And it's not just the platforms removing people that we're seeing this in. We're seeing... Two, there's been two publications from the DOJ one and the Oversight Committee in the House of Representatives is the other this past week about how we're going to stop the disinformation surrounding the elections. And then there was also a hour and a half roundtable among a bunch of congressional members and election experts about what they're going to do about it and the problems that we are facing. And it does shine light on what they're trying to do. And some of it's very funny because they have one person. So there's like nine people in this panel discussion. And there's one person who disagrees with them and thinks that maybe you shouldn't automatically dismiss everything that anybody questions it says. Every time he says something in this panel discussion, and he's very nice to everybody. He's like, look, I just think that we just need to respond when people bring their questions about the election to us and when they put together information for us to review which i did he said i put together a packet of information based on this evidence and that and he dispelled some of the things they said and i i, I gave it to and he listed like five different people in the committee and he said that was three months ago and not one of them has responded to me and they won't answer any of my calls they won't answer any of my text and i just think that when people bring up these problems that we should stop calling them nazis and maybe answer some of their questions and then he would say but I appreciate you all being here and I appreciate the work you do. I just ask you to please review some of the information I give you. And then after he says that, it cuts back to the committee person hosting the thing. And she goes, I just want to say something about these conspiracy theories that, that Senator so-and-so is. But she just immediately demonizes everything he says and says, no, buddy, I'm not looking at anything you see me. And at one point during this hearing, he said, have you guys seen, was it 3,000 Mules? Is that the name of the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't uh, seen it. I haven't but either. The he brings it up, and I don't know the credibility of it. I don't know any. I don't know hardly anything about it. But he brings it up, and he says, "Have you guys seen this?" And it's one person asking that, and it's like eight other people that are in this Zoom video that they're doing, and every single one of them was like. I haven't seen it, but I have people that I trust who told me it's full of lies about the election. None of them had watched it. 
None of them, yet they all had definitive conclusions about the credibility of it and whether it was valid or not. This is how they are manipulated. It's such a demonstration of that. All of these people were what, as they call it, stovepiped, and that someone who they trusted said, you don't need to watch this. I'll tell you whether or not it's valid. The guy who made it, he was arrested for campaign finance things a, f- a couple years ago. He's a conspiracy theorist. You know that's the problem. They didn't call him a racist because he is Indian. They couldn't call him that. But it just really highlighted how it was great on the guy who asked the question. I can't remember the, the senator's name. But the fact that he put it to them and not one of them could say that they had watched it. And they all answered that very defensively. And they had just spent an hour saying how the disinformation and misinformation about the election is dangerous to this country. It needs to be stopped. There needs to be a federal response at the, at the individual, the state, the local level. The federal government needs to take over all of it and needs to be unified so to eliminate any of these problems that emerge at the local level. And they need to do all of this, they tell us, because of the violent threats coming from Trump supporters in the aftermath of the Mar-a-Lago, quote, raid, and all the disinformation that has triggered them. And then all he asked them is, have you seen 2,000, 3,000 mules, whatever? And they just lose their effing minds because he simply asked them that question. They're all stovepiped. Not all of them. Some of them aren't stovepiped, but all of these guys are stovepiped. I'll, I'll play a couple of these for you. And they published reports, too, by the way. I'll tell you what the reports are to play this first clip. They're amping up the focus on misinformation, disinformation. That's yeah. why that video got taken down. Because leading up to the 2022 election, just like they did the 2020 election, just like they did the 2018 election, they are systematically removing people like us, or trying to anyway. And that's what they want to do. They want to shut us up, and they want us to trust the new Brian Stelter, Oliver Darcy. Here we go. The election lies pushed by former President Trump and his allies have inspired truly dangerous efforts to subvert subvert elections. These schemes are not about fairness. Election security are the truth. They make it harder for Americans to cast their ballots, but easier for dishonest officials to overturn the results of elections they don't like. Today's report details a set of actions that Congress and the administration can take to begin addressing this problem. These include establishing a coordinated federal approach to protecting our elections. It also includes ensuring states and local governments have the resources they need to administer elections, while also providing accurate information to Americans and protecting election workers. I love when they say that. That's such a frequent type of phrase they use, providing accurate, correct information to Americans. Not necessarily truthful, accurate. What's really interesting is you can tell that she's reading a script oh, for multiple yeah. reasons, but especially because she looks like a bird who only eats cameras going at that, that I, what, what I can tell from the video quality is, is probably a razor phone. Like <laughs> how, how, how do you get away with this as an adult in politics? Yeah, I don't know. They are so bad at doing the zoom stuff, but they, they get away with it. There was a oh, question here from any word. What does stovepiped mean? Stovepiped is when, People only give the the person in power the information that that leads them to a certain decision. So they they only they give them stuff out of context. They don't tell them the full truth because if they tell them the full truth, then they might come to a different conclusion. So they just give them enough. And in the form of the 
the Mule movie, these guys, all of these guys, most of these guys, none of them had watched it, but most of them said, I haven't watched it, but I got information from it that helped me understand what it was from someone else. So that other person who gave them that information, whether it was through an article or one of their people who they had watch it, only told them what they needed to hear in order to dismiss it. That is uh, stovepiped right there. All right. So she's referencing it. So in the past two weeks, there's two documents. She, she is reading, actually, because I read the document that she's reading from, and she is reading verbatim from yeah. the document that they posted, which is a Congressional House document from the, the Oversight Committee, and it is on finding – it's investigating the disinformation leading up to the election and what they can do to stop it, which actors it's coming from. And there's nothing unique that we haven't heard inside of it, only just another reason for them to say, look at all these Trump supporters who are getting wilder and wilder. They're doing these threatening, dangerous things, and we must stop them. Otherwise, democracy is going to crumble once and for all. And they say these things. You know, they basically call people who question it at all Nazis, and then they'll have conversations with somebody who is in Congress who is also questioning it, and they won't like demonize them openly, but they just did. I yeah. mean, it's, seriously, it's like, these people are terrible Nazis. Now let's hear what the terrible Nazi has to say briefly. Okay, we're not going to listen to you, terrible Nazi. And, and they just kind of brush them off like that. But alongside of this, there was a Department of Homeland Security public publication that came out last week that is titled, The Department of Homeland Security needs a unified strategy to counter disinformation campaigns. And their conclusions, just to give you the top of the line summary here, is they did the audit because they said in recent years, cyber attacks, intellectual theft, state-sponsored disinformation campaigns against our nation have increased significantly. And their objective was to, to, to determine the internal and external coordination the department has taken to counter disinformation that appears in social media. And what they found, according to them, was that in 2016, it was international disinformation that we were being threatened by, from Russia, of course. But now, in 2020 and now, it's domestic disinformation that is threatening our democracy. Yep. You see how they pair those two together? And yep. part of their reason for not being able to track it as well, that they state throughout this panel discussion and in both of these documents, is that it's been difficult to, because of the Constitution, it gets in the way of stuff like that, and that these people basically need to be treated as international terrorists. And that is what I believe a lot of this stuff has been about the whole time. It's to make international and domestic terrorists indistinguishable. Therefore, you can strip rights away from both of them if you can convince people that you are truly under threat, that your way of life could be, or democracy itself, could just be destroyed. And the recommendation was that they need to develop a unified strategy to counter disinformation campaigns a whole of government, a whole of society strategy, which is the way China, China talks China. about things, the way Russia talks about things. And they talk in all these psychological warfare panel discussions. They say, look, we're at a disadvantage in fighting this information war against China, against Russia, because they don't have a constitution. They don't have a democracy like us. They have a whole of society response to things that is from the top down. And that enables them to act faster and we are unable to do that because it takes six months to get Congress to do this on average. It takes them 18 months on average to get them to do this. So it's holding us back and it's putting us at an unfair in an unfair fight against these these other world powers. And 
I don't necessarily believe that because I don't believe that they abide by the Constitution. But what these people are essentially talking about is whittling away the rights of Americans by calling people election-denying disinformation terrorists, essentially. And this woman is is decrepit. You're absolutely right. She's and she's she's just wasn't she the one that was in like a debate the other day, like a week or two ago, where she said she was asked if Joe Biden was going to run again, and she said something along the lines of "I don't think that he is," and then she had to do an apology video. I think that was her. Yeah, yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, I don't know her name, but I recognize that mug anywhere. That yeah, I didn't even see her, but. That was definitely her, and she's wearing her blue shirt to be more trustworthy. And if you're you only listen to this, she has literally three giant American flags behind her. Like she only needs one to cover the whole screen, but she's got three of them jammed in there just to show you how patriotic she actually is as she is working for the global new world order. Let's get a couple more. We'll go to the XR, and then we'll get out of here. We also must establish meaningful penalties for anyone who threatens or intimidates election officials. The time to act to protect our elections is now. I hope all my colleagues on both sides of the aisle would join me this effort. I now want to recognize Mr. Sessions for an opening statement. Mr. Sessions is the one Republican there. It's not Jeff Sessions. So the thing that she said there about we need to have penalties for people who are threatening the election officials was very interesting because that was a line. That was a through line throughout this entire panel discussion or roundtable. And they were citing examples of the threats that they were getting. And some of them sounded like really bad threats, stupid voicemails that people left on, on, their, on their phones. I, I don't know. They're just saying that. I didn't hear them. They didn't play them. But one of the women in here, one of the congresswomen, she gave an example. She said there's a very chilling, scary thing going on right now that's threatening democracy, that is making the work of election experts difficult and challenging because they're fearing for the, their lives and the lives of their family, and many of them are quitting because they are under siege. They are being threatened and harassed by Trump supporters. And then she goes, for example, and she says, Alex Jones, put the phone number of a Florida election official. He said it on his show, and he told his listeners to call this person and to tell them that they are watching. That was the example. Now, she's talking about disinformation that needs to be silenced and is a threat to democracy and a threat to the lives of these officials, which they tie that to the threats to the FBI officials, and it was someone calling because Alex Jones told them, and they left a message that said, we're watching. The reason I thought that was interesting is because I've been receiving call scripts from Indivisible Group since 2016. I've gone to a dozen or so of their online trainings about how to call your congressperson. I've actually taken some of the scripts they've sent me and I've called the congressperson in question and I have just read the script they gave me verbatim regardless of how the congressperson responded. It wasn't even the congressperson. It was the person who answered. It was never actually the congressperson that answered. And because I thought it'd be funny for me to just not react to anything the person said, only read the script. And it was, it, it, I, I liked it because they were like, uh, okay, sir. And they, they kept trying to get me back and I just stuck to the script the whole time. But I know because I have these scripts that they tell you in these scripts to tell them that you're watching them. You, you are watching them and they need to know you're watching them and they need to know that their actions have consequences. So what they're saying 
that is a threat to democracy, to election officials, to the FBI right now. The example she gave based on Alex, this isn't doxing. This was a public official. This person's right. information was already there. So he did not dox them. Anybody could have got that information anyway. And to tell them to go say they're watching, that's simply what indivisible and progressive progressives have been aggressively doing all of the time for the past six years. And they're trying to tell us that now, because someone on the right is doing it, it's an example of a potential domestic terrorist. Unbelievable. People who buy into this need to be aware that this is not new. This is, I don't want to say just progressives, because throughout time in history, pressure campaigns have come from both the left and right, all sides. But this has been championed by the left hardcore. They've even brought some of these activists on MSNBC, on CNN, and they said, tell us about your playbook, how you pressure congressmen and women into doing what you want. Oh, really? You get an army of people in wheelchairs and you go scream at them and force police officers to drag you out of a wheelchair so that you can take pictures of them looking like they're bad guys? What a great tactic. You're a great American. It's just unbelievable. The compartmentalization they try to do in people's minds to separate out what one side can do and be called good and what the other side can do and be called effing evil. Makes me angry, Cam. What it I does. can see that. You know where you know where this kind of stuff doesn't happen? Where? China. China. China's got a great, they have a great China. system over there. They put all the people that don't like it in a concentration. What do they call Uyghurs? I don't know. They can't get anywhere. And everything he says happens. It's like the Trump organization. And yeah, so Trump, I saw, did you see the Alex Jones thing where Trump, Alex Jones, he spoke out against Trump. He gave Trump, basically laid, the, laid down yeah. an ultimatum against Trump. And I watched it, you know, I saw people talking about it and I was like, oh God, it's like a, you know, bombastic. And it was bombastic. But I actually really liked what he said. I, I thought that what he said was great because what his whole premise, if you haven't seen it, uh, Alex Jones' premise was that he is going to support DeSantis. He's he loves Trump. If Trump would come out and say he was wrong about the vaccine, and and he got he said <laughs> it was so funny, dude. Man, he's such a good performer. He started talking about how the vaccine. It's just like you you you, you got to come out. You, you got to tell him you lied to about the vaccine, Trump, and I'll support you. But I can't. I can't support because what you're doing right now, you, you might as well be holding a baby up. You, you grab a dagger, you slit the baby in the throat, and you just spray blood all over everybody. That's what you're doing right now, Trump. And it was effing hilarious to watch. It was a. Uh, it was like a piece of performance art. But I, I did not disagree with what he said. I, you know, Trump is hilarious to me, but Trump. He does claim credit for Operation Warp Speed, and I think it's easy to to forget that with Biden being associated associated with it and everything. And, you know, Trump is reluctant. Uh, it's weird though, because he's like playing; he's trying to play both sides of the Republican angle with that. My guess is that he probably listens to Alex Jones, Alex Jones, and probably does come out against the vaccine eventually. We'll see. It's just at this point, it's like, why wouldn't you? With I'll so be many, honest with you. I, I'm kind of retarded. Yeah. He also played his montage to Al, to um, Stelter where he just spends like five minutes talking about how Stelter's a demon-worshipping Satanist to you know, adrenochrome babies and stuff like that. It's really, it is very, 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 very funny. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. What I want to show you in the XR is that um, 
Alec Baldwin is back. Have you seen any of Alec Baldwin's interviews he's done recently? I can't hear you. No, but I saw some notification on my phone about him and some, I didn't read it, but it said something like, uh, what was it that they, they call it? You know, like, oh, this is, this is changing everything. This changes the whole narrative. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to change up that type of tease. You know, they they've kind of overworked all of our brains with their clickable teases that they try and get us. So, like at, that, at this point, when I see something like that, I, I will not look at it. I'm like, I, yep. there's no way you're not getting me to click on this by saying that. Yeah. And uh, that is exactly why they're all trying to change their image and rebuild trust because of stuff like that. But he was interviewed by CNN and he spoke about. You know, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you. I'm going, to show, I'm going to play you the clip of what he said to, to CNN. It's about a minute and 15 seconds. And then when we get in the XR, I'm going to take you through a couple of clips from his appearance on Chris Cuomo's podcast. Did you know Chris Cuomo oh had a new podcast? God, Chris Cuomo's I back, man. And what you might not also know, what you're going to hear, is that he's not only back. Chris Cuomo is an independent He's sick and tired of the two-party system. He's a he's a dead gum conspiracy. He's oh. just like you and me, dude. He's just like you and me. He's podcasting out of his house. He's trying to just get things together. You know, remember how he did all those videos from his basement when you know he turned the camera off and go beat up people outside on bikes. He's doing one of those things again, except now he's just a he's a hardworking podcaster trying to fight the two-party system, just like everybody else in the alternative media is. It's such a joke. And he brought on. Baldwin for like an hour and a half interview two days ago, and they talked about some interesting things. Specifically, Baldwin told Chris Cuomo two Republicans that he would consider voting for. And you can think about who that might be, and we will reveal who those two Republicans are. Don't spoil it for us if you think you have an answer right now, because the answer is hilarious, actually. <laughs> but for this, for now... So what Baldwin was in the news for is because the FBI had a report that, that seemed to imply that he did pull the trigger. There was confusion around what pull the trigger means. And the details of that, I don't even care about, honestly. I don't, he, his defense was that he didn't pull the trigger, is that it was like a, a phantom. That, uh, or I can't remember how he described it, but he pulled the, you know, he cocked it and, he, and then he stopped before it came all the way. And then it released and the bullet fired. So he didn't actually pull the trigger. It was something to do. Right. Yeah, whatever. Right. And, and I don't know all the details of that, but I I don't some people think he might have killed her on purpose. I have no idea. My assumption is that he did not kill her on purpose, that there was a lot of it was a low budget film and there was a lot of union conflict going on there and I don't know if somebody sabotaged it or what. It is weird that a, an actual bullet would get in with all that. I I've, I've used a lot of prop guns like yeah, you know, put blanks in. They're real guns, but you put blanks in them. And I remember the first time that I was ever on a set and a gun that was a real gun and that had a blank in it was pointed at me. All I could think about was that movie with Bruce Lee's son. I'm like, oh yeah, my gosh, the I, crow. I just hope there's not a real bullet in there. I was terrible. I mean, honestly, well, I was genuinely that, worried. My understanding is that with with Brandon Lee, it wasn't even a bullet. Like someone had said, it was a button. It was like a, a gun fraction stuck in of a, there or um, something. Yeah, I think it was uh, a piece of. A blank, because blanks aren't nothing. They're called blanks, but they're actually, they're something. And I, and I believe it was like a, something, I don't know, something didn't work right, but I think it might have just been a blank that was in there and it malfunctioned. Because if you put a blank to somebody's head and shoot it, I do believe it will still call, cause damage. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, Especially I if you put it right up to your head. Like, that's, that, that's, or if that's, 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 that's,
Yeah, that'll yeah. do Yeah, so if you beat somebody with a prop gun, it's still going to cause real damage. Yeah. Is what, you know, what, what I've learned. So we're going to do that, but here's this Cuomo clip on CNN. He is, where is it? Did I not put that one in here? Oh my goodness. StreamYard booted all my freaking clips again. This is unbelievable. It's it's ridiculous. Stream, yeah, I really appreciate StreamYard, so I'm not going to get on to them. Yeah, well, and the, the cool thing is once we get some of our bugs worked out, we won't have to worry about that anymore. Okay. I'll just oh, push no. a button, oh, man. Yeah, I, I see what's going on. Let me, let me find this. Uh, the video would not upload, but I, I'm going to pull it up over here on this tab here. So he he talks about what he was afraid of after the in the aftermath of all of the stuff about the rush shooting when that cinematographer died. You got any ideas of what might have struck fear in his heart in the aftermath of that? Um, you want to speculate before I play in? Losing his job? Uh, yeah, no, not really. He wouldn't, didn't seem too concerned about that. Let's see. Well, I'll show you what it is. <laughs> Really, honestly, when you hear it, you're, you might just bop yourself in the head and go, wow, yes, they do always do that. All right, <laughs> here we go. There is this. Which tab is it? So I'm trying to do just a tab. I got to start the video. Sorry, we're, we're working with new technology here, and <laughs> I don't want to share. I want to share the freaking tab. What's going? Oh, there it is. All right, here we go. Can you see that? No, yeah. I got to put it on the screen. All right, there it is. Let's bring it back and turn the audio up. Here he is, and this is part of his interview with CNN. The former president of the United States said he probably shot her on purpose. To me, was really the only time I thought that, that I needed, to, that I was worried about what was going to happen. Because here was Trump who instructed people to commit acts of violence, and he was pointing the finger at me and saying, I was responsible for the death. 1,000% I'm nervous that a bunch of people who were instructed by the former president to go to the Capitol and they killed a, a law enforcement officer. They killed somebody. And do you don't think that I think to myself, are some of those people going to come and kill me? While waiting for the results of the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office investigation. All right, so that, that's it. He was interviewed oh. about the Rush shooting and, and he happened to turn it into a January 6th insurrection story about the most terrifying thing about him accidentally killing his cinematographer is that <laughs> a bunch of Trump insurrectionists might kill him. Because right. Trump will go, you know what? He killed that cinematographer. She's my favorite cinematographer. Go after him, boys. What an unbelievable thing to say. Well, yeah, and in making it about himself uh, when yeah. a woman is dead. I mean, in making it about politics, making it about everything. Oh, no. Oh, poor, poor... Poor Alec Baldwin. Alec, we're so sorry for you, Alec. We know that you <laughs> put a lot into that movie. You worked real hard <laughs> on it. And then in the aftermath of all of this, Trump and his racist Nazi supporters are coming after you. It's just domestic terrorism, and you're experiencing it firsthand. I mean, this is the mentality that these people are taking. That's probably like why he was able to come on CNN. It's probably like yeah. a condition... Maybe even unspoken where it's like, you can come talk to us if you're kind of on our list of people we, we will accept. But you just got to know that at some point during the conversation, doesn't matter what we're talking about, you need to weave in how Trump insurrectionists are related to it and how it's a threat to either you or democracy or something. Because every story always leads back to that. Yeah, Unbelievable. And, it, and it, it's, 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 it's weak. This is... And he played Trump. <sighs> like, he played Trump on SNL. Right. Right. 
Oh, and he screamed God. at his daughter about her being bisexual or something years ago. <laughs> I don't think he killed this woman on purpose. I don't know what happened. I, maybe he did. I don't know. I haven't seen evidence to support that. I think it was... My presumption is that it was a bad, tragic accident. Maybe somebody meddled with something. I have no idea. I've been on sets before, and I've honestly... I have been, in my mind, afraid of what might happen with weapons... Yeah. on there in those situations because of what we hear in the news. So, and I've seen how people, you know, people can be careless. I don't know if it was him, but what I do know is that he's full of it and he's a propagandist and he is a great actor as well. I can't wait to play those clips for you in the XR, dude. You're going to love them. If you want to get that XR <laughs> access, then go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. We appreciate you guys who are in the live stream there. More people than I expected. We're, we're recording this. Le- so here's what, here's what we've been doing. We just re- we're recording shows for the Drive Time at News Blast and just kind of decided that we're just going to record them live and for the most part. And when people show up to the live stream, it's like icing on the cake. And I totally did not expect the number of people to be in here chatting, to be here chatting. So it's fantastic. And I, I love the contributions. Hilarious. And we have Sir Tim of Tunnels here says, ne- never mind that I killed a woman, Trump. <laughs> foams at the mouth Alec Baldwin yeah you're right yeah you just gotta say Trump yeah well you, you're asking me if I killed a woman when there's a threat to democracy don't you see all these Trumpian candidates winning and you're asking me about how I killed a woman that's kind of what's going on he's right and I appreciate that I don't appreciate him I, I appreciate the comment about that and uh, yeah all right we're gonna get out of here I'm getting because it's late so thank you guys for listening thank you Cam for the Everything you got your new OBS, you got you got the you got your name out there. Cam is working on the technology stuff, and he's learning it much faster than I ever could because I tried, <laughs> and I'm really stupid. And I did. Cam has learned more about OBS and some of this technology in like two days than I learned about it in like six months. And I and I I'm so grateful for that because it's very useful and also very frustrating. But could I do it without you? That's the real question. And the answer to that is probably. Yeah. You're very sweet. You're very, very sweet. <laughs> You're very sweet. Who was that? I don't have any Stars. idea. Very beautiful voice. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend and a great night uh, wherever you might be. And we'll talk to you next time or in the DMB XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day. 